This week's episode of To The Top Talk is brought to you by CollegeSportsUnfiltered.com Talking Southern Miss athletics with some pretty knowledgeable Southern Miss fans. Great place to go, unvarnished, unfiltered. You won't have to sift through the propaganda. Southern Miss fans, check it out. CollegeSportsUnfiltered.com Hey, it's Frank Caliendo, and I'll be back in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Yes, Miss- I should have fixed this. Hattiesburg, Mississippi, uh, for the fourth annual Last for Life comedic event. Mississippi, of course, home of Morgan Freeman and Brett Favre. August 2nd, might have said that already, and we'll see you there. Hakuna Potato. You are listening to To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington. Thank you, Jamesy. And Jason Bailey. Bump is uh, pretty good. But the reality is... They don't know, man! I've been looking forward to To The Top Talk. You know, I have that with myself every night. Every day, anything we do is Southern Miss to the top. What's going on? What's happening? How you guys doing? Welcome to To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington and Jason Bailey. I'm Jamie Arrington. He's Jason Bailey. Take it away, Jason. Greetings and salutations from beautiful Midtown Hattiesburg. Uh, Glad to be back from Biloxi. Sunburnt, broke, tired, but worth every penny. This is your first time listening. We are here to give you a break from all of the High Resource 5 propaganda in the mainstream sports media to talk about the University of Southern Mississippi Golden Eagles. Check us out on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. You can go to jamiearrington.net slash to the top talk and it'll have links to all those and more. Also, it has a link to our Patreon site, patreon.com slash to the top talk. What that is, that's the site where you can go. And if you'd like to either A, sponsor the show, B, run an ad on the show, or C, just get a shout-out at the end of every show, you can go on there and uh, show your love to the show to keep the party going. All right, Jason, so the main thing we're going to talk about today, obviously, is baseball. What a week it was down in Biloxi. Couldn't have been much better. Um, it probably could have been a little cooler. <laughs> yeah. But uh, like we talked about on last week's episode, at uh, this time of the year, um, that's just kind of what happens in South Mississippi. Um, you almost wish we could move it back like, you know, three weeks and it'll be perfect weather. <laughs> but, um, on the positive side, Hey, no weather delays. Um, and, and we got out there and, you know, I got a really good facial tan. So, uh, those are two good things and we won the tournament. So it was great. Yeah, and ran into so many, so many people, so many Golden Eagle fans. I mean, I had, you know, my dad, my aunt Becky, my cousin. Her, her daughter, Sammy, ran into them. I mean, there were so many people. It was so good to see everybody. And I mean, it's always a great time anytime you get the black and gold family together, but it's even better. I, I mean, I didn't look in the stats for this, but I can't really think of any time off the top of my head where we just swept through a conference tournament. It seems like it's been forever. You're right. Um, and we, you know, by the skin of our teeth from game one, right? Um, but yeah. Got it done, and you mentioned a few people, so I'll, I'll go ahead and mention a few people as well. But I ended up sitting with with, with Philip Scott, Ryan Worsham, and Philip's uh, fiance Emily, uh, all the games that I went to. And um, goodness gracious, right there at the end, uh, who uh, comes knocking on my door wanting to ride down to MGM, but Cliff Wren, for God's sakes. So Cliff made it down. I don't think he's seen a USM game since he graduated. Um, you didn't get you didn't give it to him, did you? Didn't give him the ticket or a ride. I did give him a ride. Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, somebody had to drive me home. 
<laughs> Cliff? Yeah, you let I, Cliff drop? Is is way 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 less in, way less consequential if uh, Cliff gets uh, tabbed with the Dewey than me. So well, there, there you go. go. There you go. Uh, one more thing we got to mention before we get into the tournament is Festival South's Best of the Pine Belt. So we found out this past, and I don't even know if this is public knowledge. So I don't even know if we should be saying this, but they're going to be presenting that award at the Best of the Pine Belt Award Show taking place on June 27th. So be sure you go vote. Do it for Bump. Bump's going to go up there, snag a trophy for us. Uh, go to <laughs> festivalsouth.org. You can vote for us. Uh, one vote per email address, per IP address every day. I'm probably going to pass out if I have to go on stage and accept anything and talk to the crowd. So buy your ticket just to see, for nothing more than just to watch me go up there in just an absolute panic. And you're going to be right next to me, so I'll just nod, wave to the crowd, and Make my way off stage. I mean, assuming that we win, which we probably won't. But j- just to have the uh, the chance to get to go up there is, is already nerve-wracking enough. So looking forward to it. Well, let's get to the heart of the episode. So the Conference baseball conference USA Baseball Tournament was this week at MGM Park in Biloxi. Uh, and I, may, I don't know, like you said, I don't know that it could have gone any better. It was, it was amazing. Uh, the weather was perfect. Um, I, this is the first time I can remember not having a lightning delay of any kind, sure. <laughs> like you said. But let's let's start off with the first game on Wednesday, May the twenty second. The Golden Eagles were down early. Uh, they were down four to one in the ninth inning, but rallied to come back and take the game into extra innings and get the win. Southern Miss winning six to four over the Rice Owls in ten innings. It was one of those games where, uh, at least the talk in the stands, was just. Where's the fire? Where's the energy for you know, like 90% of the game? And don't get me wrong, um, Rice starter Matt Cantorino was as good as advertised. And barring just whatever happened to him, it looked like he came down funny on an ankle on, on that, on that lead foot and, um, and, you know, kind of took himself out of the game late. Uh, and then we got into that bullpen and, and, um, ended up getting the job done but it was also a game where we were never out of striking distance and everybody knows the firepower that southern miss is capable of um but i thought it was pretty cool how the 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 heroes of the game i mean obviously matt walner uh with the game winning home run but without fred franklin eric horde and storm cooper three guys that came off the bench uh we definitely don't win that game uh eric horde with a huge pinch it double to drive in a run and, and kind of get get us going um they started to see a little fire there in the seventh inning um then you know storm cooper with that two run double in the ninth uh that was just slicing away from the first baseman huge uh and, and then and then that, that brought us within one i believe then there's a wild pitch to tie it up uh a quick story from that game so i'm standing next to philip and um he and his buddy and uh, uh, there's about an inning to go, I think, or maybe two innings to go. And they say, "Ma'am, we're gonna get out of here." I said, "All right, man. Well, you know, I'll, I'm I'm not. I'm staying here till the end." So so they left, and I thought that they left out of the whole stadium, but but they didn't. Well, when we tied it up, I sent him a text, and he st- he sent me back a text real quick, and he was waving at me from under the scoreboard. <laughs> so I told him, you know, don't move, stay right there. And he sent me back a text. He said, "If we come back and win this thing, I'm coming back over there and giving you a bear hug." And I said, okay, that's kind of weird, but cool. Anyway, um, the game gets over with. You know, Walner hits the walk-off bomb there in the 10th. And I'm high-fiving everybody. I look up, and here comes Phillip, <laughs> just running up the ramp. 
<laughs> so uh so that was cool um what a way to end the day uh really tip of the cap to rice's starter like we talked about cantorino he's the real deal we're probably gonna be watching him on tv in the very near future but um but we hung in there walker power didn't have his best stuff but he hung in there kept us in the game and you know the bench just showed out and then you know walter did his thing so Super fun, man. It was a great way to end the game and great, you know, first step as far as uh, staying in that winner's bracket to the uh, championship round. And and a couple of things that we should mention because they factor into how the rest of the weekend played out. So with Storm Cooper and Fred Franklin getting subbed in in that ninth inning, um, they ended up staying in the lineup for the rest of the weekend. And Fred Franklin was running to first base and collided – with Rice first baseman Brant Frazier, and it resulted in a broken arm for Frazier. It was just one of those. I mean, he was kind of. It was kind of a. The ball was thrown kind of strange towards him. He kind of was in the baseline. Franklin was was, you know, he he was in the right. I thought, and there was just a collision, and he ended up breaking his arm. You hate to see that, but it is what it is. So keep that in mind as we get to to Saturday's game and the ins and outs of what actually happened with that game. But those guys getting, you know. Injected in the lineup, I guess that experience, and I think both of them are pretty speedy players, it, it, it kind of gave us a little boost um, moving forward. Also, Cody Carroll gets the win, improving to 3-2 and two on the season. And, and as you mentioned, Matt Warner with a two-run two home run in the 10th to give the Golden Eagles the win. All right, so we move on to the next round. So Marshall defeats Louisiana Tech. Southern Miss takes on Marshall. That's Thursday, May the 23rd, in the winner's bracket. The Golden Eagles coming away with a 10-5 victory over the Thundering Herd. 10-5 victory, and probably most importantly, uh, or, or at least as important, is uh, we kept the hit parade going. 16 hits. Guidry and Montenegro finding their stride. They both hit home runs. Southern Miss actually scored runs in six of the nine innings played, so that's always a good sign. And it was uh, very special to see, like you talked about, Franklin and Cooper get the start after they kind of saved the day from the game before. Um, I also thought that the, the, the Golden Eagles stayed in attack mode offensively, something that lacked the day before, probably a lot to do with Cantorino, but they got, you know, they, they took a different approach that next day and just were just, uh, just attacking the ball. Um, all game long. So that was very nice to see. And it just seemed to me like there was just a different mood after that ninth inning against the Rice Owls the night before. It seemed like everything kind of changed and then there was no looking back. Uh, you know, and when I talk about there wasn't any fire the day before, um, there's something to be said for not being panicked as well. So uh, as fans, <laughs> you're kind of wondering, like, am I more upset about what's going on right now than they are? Uh, but they kept their cool and ended up getting the job done. And then I really think that it did light a fire. Um, the Franklin play at first base, the, uh, the Storm Cooper hit down the line. Um, and I think that that transferred to the next day. People, you know, hitters talk about it all the time that hitting is contagious. You'll hear coaches say stuff like that too. And, and it, it really happened. And we came out the next day and Marshall is a team that we should beat. And we did. Um, that hadn't always been the case this year, but. Something happened, and and these guys just came together. It was a full team effort the day before, and 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 they just kept it going throughout the entire game versus Marshall. Sixteen hits for the Golden Eagles in this game. Warner had four hits. 
Hunter Slater with three hits, Gabe Montenegro two hits, Brent Bowen with two hits. So yeah, it was certainly a hit parade. Uh, Brent Blaylock came in at the end and got the got the victory for the Golden Eagles, improving to one and one on the year. So we get a uh, would you call it a bye on Friday? We get the day off on Friday because going through this winners bracket. So the teams in the losers bracket settled out their differences on Friday. <laughs> we move on to Saturday. There's four teams left. Southern Miss with the rematch against the Rice Owls. And this is something that we kind of alluded to on the show last week. We talked about the true freshman pitcher, Gabe Shepard. He came in and delivered a masterful performance. One of the best pitching performances in Golden Eagle history. Gabe Shepard improves to 2-0 in the year, pitching seven and a third innings, giving up no hits with 12 strikeouts and one base on balls in the sixth as the Golden Eagles get the 6 to nothing victory over the Rice Owls. Yeah, I hate to say we, we were just spot on, but uh, yeah, we're pretty much spot on. <laughs> you can see this coming the entire year. Uh, with each outing, you can tell that this guy was just a little bit, uh, the ball comes out of his hand differently um, than most pitchers that step on the mound. And uh, you want to talk about fire. This guy had the fire from the from the very beginning. And, and really, uh, the rest of the team just fed off of that. Uh, now, when we said that he was going to be the wild card possibly this week, I don't think either one of us thought he was going to go seven and a third, no hit baseball. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but goodness gracious, way to step up. And, and uh, moving forward, if he feels right, I'm not positive. He didn't throw that game one in, in the, uh, regional, but, uh, I guess that'll be remained, remain to be seen. But, uh, that, 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 you talk about a team that probably went through the entire year without a, you know, if we're being honest, a true one. And to have a guy like this, um, step in right here at the last moment is, is a super shot in the arm and just an advantage for the Southern Miss, uh, Golden Eagles over most teams that we're going to play just because not a lot of people have seen him throw. So, um, the moment wasn't too big. The kid came out and just shoved it from the first pitch on. Twelve strikeouts. Good night. Um, it's, I, I was so glad that, that I was there, right? Just history was made. Um, it, I think that's the first no-hitter that I've ever seen in my life. I can't remember another one. Um, so it was cool. Uh, I don't know about you. Everybody was wondering, like, you know, is Barry going to take him out? And we all thought, yeah. <laughs> He'd only thrown, uh, I think his, his longest outing so far this year was five innings. So once he got up to around that 100-pitch count, um, I want to say he ended up with 91 pitches. I saw that somewhere. So uh, the, the, I don't if, if 90 was the number, if 100 was the number, he was getting close to it. It was super hot outside. I know he didn't want to come out, but you kind of had to do it if you're a Barry. And, um, and look, I'm looking forward to seeing more of that uh, next week. I mean, you're one season removed from Tommy John surgery. I mean, sure. you, you really can't push it much more than we did. But, you know, like you said, the, the, you could just tell the adrenaline was going. He had the fire. I mean, this adds another dimension to the postseason possibilities for the Golden Eagles because, you know, we've had two solid starters all year, and then we, we've kind of had a, a piecemeal. You know, you'd have some that would do great some games and some that wouldn't. But having this third starter – kind of into the mix now that that gives you a little more flexibility and you know a little more confidence i think headed into the regionals this week and Shepard is going to be somebody that hopefully we're going to get to watch for the next few years and enjoy because he seems like he is certainly special and don't forget you know we lost a big piece to the puzzle as well when ryan ock went down 
Uh, it wasn't until Ock hadn't pitched in a while and nobody really knew what was going on. But uh, right before the conference tournament, he tweeted out that he was he was done for the season. So uh, that was, you know, that was kind of a negative uh, for the Golden Eagles going into postseason. And to have somebody like Shepard step up like he did uh, is just right on time. And, and he couldn't have had you know, I'm not expecting a no, a no, no, the next time he goes out. Right. But 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 to, but to have somebody with that kind of arm, with that kind of uh, just ability to go out and dominate uh, is just is just a shot in the arm at the right time for for sudden miss right here at the end of the year. A couple of little neat stats in regards to the pitching outing, not only from from Shepard, but from Carroll and Stanley as well. So Shepard's 12 strikeouts match. Nick Sandlin's 12 strikeouts in the opening round of last season's Conference USA uh, tournament. Uh, they are among hmm. only five players in the 24 years of the conference tournament to throw 12 or more strikeouts in a game. Wow. Then you've got, you know, Shepard, Carroll, and Stanley combined for 14 strikeouts, tying the, the Conference USA postseason marked for strikeouts in the game. And the trio tossed the seventh no-hitter in USM history. And the first since Cliff Russum, Cliff Russum against Eastern Illinois in 2004. Cool. Hey, and while we're talking about that no-no, usually when a no-no is thrown, some some crazy things happen behind him defensively. I know you know he had 12 strikeouts, but don't forget the very first pitch, I believe, that when Carroll came in, the very first pitch that he threw was a laser beam to the left center field gap. And Gabe Montenegro just oh. put on his Superman cape, and I don't know how he did it. I mean, he was fully outstretched, just completely horizontal, uh, laid out, made the catch. The place went crazy. Um, it was one of those just it was one of those moments where as soon as I mean, you thought it might happen anyway. And then when they pulled him, you're kind of scratching your head, but you understood. And then the crack of the bat. And I mean, I don't know if it's 99 times out of 100 that that ball's a double, but it, it's it's somewhere around there. It, it was one of the most amazing plays that I've seen. And, and we just we talked about the energy level earlier, um, but you know, after that play at first base, going all the way back to the very first game, um, the, the energy level was up, and and it was never higher than it was at that moment. And it was just a we just have to give a super duper shout out to Gabe because that that was one of the best plays in in Southern Miss history, I think. Also, you got to talk about the home runs. Bryant Bowen had two home runs. Matt Warner added another, and and on that first home run. Uh, I have to give a shout out to John Nesser, who was fumbling around back there. I think he came away with the home run ball, but uh, he, the <laughs> highlight's not going to end up on Sports Center. But <laughs> I was excited for him that he was back there to get that piece of memorabilia. But another storyline from this game that we have to talk about: Gabe Shepard, I think, is is the headline. But but the foot the headline the, we're just below that the tagline: Fred Franklin. So he he the first two times he goes up to bat. He squares up the bunt, and Rice goes high, as high and as inside as you possibly could go, appearing to be retaliation for the broken arm their first baseman suffered in that first game. I didn't think about that part of it until you text me uh, after it happened for the second time. Um, the very first time this happened, so at MGM Park, where they had that concourse area behind the uh, behind the seats, and I just happened to be standing right behind the home plate uh, spot. Uh, when it happens the first time, and when you say he's he's showing bunt, I mean he's in full sacrifice mode. This is the pitcher is nowhere near releasing the ball, um, and he's in full sacrifice mode, just trying to get the guy down to second base. 
and he throws it directly at his nose, about 90 miles an hour as hard as he can throw it. And we all thought it was Bush at the time. Um, the referee didn't see it that way. And then it, it, actually, it actually uh, ended up in a double play, right? He's just yeah, he's trying to matrix out of the way of it. I didn't see the replay. Some people told me that it actually hit his helmet. They replayed it, and then they called both runners out, uh, and it, the place was going nuts. Um, nobody understood. Nobody understood what was going on. And, and how you couldn't even acknowledge or just, you know, warn the rice pitcher or the dugout or anything. And, and not only did they not even, you know, do anything to rice, uh, we got a double play. So it was, it was, um, it, it was total bush. And, and I couldn't believe that I saw, I, I, I in, in that situation, I'm not even, I don't even care if you want to throw a warning shot to back your guy up a little bit. Don't show us earlier, whatever. But to throw it directly at his face, so as you can throw it, is is just. I, I lost a lot of respect uh, for Rice, especially after it happened the second time. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, and you're going to get to it. But but later on, the, the exact same thing happened again, and it was it was. I was fighting mad, and the team was fighting mad, and I thought there was going to be a fight, uh, right there at home plate for a second. Uh, you know, I guess it's good that cooler heads prevailed, but. Um, that's something that we're going to take with us from 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 now till whenever we play when we play rice next year. Uh, that's going to be in everybody's mind. So maybe you need that kind of thing to happen in rivalry games. Sometimes I thought it was unfortunate and just extremely low class coming out of a place like rice. I can't believe I'm even saying that, but it happened. We were all there, and we aren't going to forget anytime soon. They said that it hit the. Now there was a sound. They said the first one hit the bat, but. I, if it did hit the bat, it still went off of him. Like, I don't see how it wasn't a, like, if it, if it did hit the bat, it was at least a foul because it hit him. It wasn't like it just dinged the bat and that was it. I mean, it, you could see it go off of him. So the whole thing was kind of wacky. Uh, and then, you know, the first time, okay, maybe he's trying to push him back a little bit. You right, kind of think, you know, but the second time is like, okay, this is intentional. And the refs had to have a talk with everybody and, and all that good stuff. And it didn't happen again, but it didn't matter because the Golden Eagles uh, came away with the six to nothing victory over the Rice Owls. Moving on to the championship game on Sunday. Uh, now in the other side of the bracket, FAU. Ran through that side of the bracket as well, defeating UTSA and their goofy ass three fans to move <laughs> on to the championship game on Sunday. So this is a FAU team that, uh, you know, they took the series from us in Hattiesburg a few weeks ago where they just, they just beat the stuffing out of the ball. I mean, it was one of those things like, you're like, this is a pretty hot team right now. So the Golden Eagles come to this game and they decided that they're going to kind of piecemeal the pitching staff together like they normally do at this point in the tournament. And it ended up paying off as the Golden Eagles complete, to finish out the tournament, complete 19 straight shutout innings to come away with a 4 to nothing victory in the final game over the FAU Owls. Right. And, you know, and, and FAU, the regular season champs, and they were just like us, didn't, didn't, didn't have a loss coming into the uh, final game right there. Uh, but, yeah, the two, two straight games of the shutout, that's humongous. Um, that's something that I didn't see coming. Um, especially against a team that hits the ball like FAU. And don't forget, right there at the, at the beginning of the game, uh, it looked like FAU was going to score at least once, if not two or three times, with uh, bases loaded right there in the first inning. And I want to say we got a strikeout and then a double play, or maybe like a pop-up to the infield and a double play to uh, to get out of it, keep them off the board. 
That was humongous. I mean, I, I don't know. We did something very similar in the, in, in our half, but, uh, but, but to keep them off the scoreboard as, as well as they hit the ball, that was a, that, that, I mean, it was early in the game, but I thought that that was, if not a turning point, just a statement right from the get go that, you know, we're here to, uh, to battle all day long. And, it, and it, it proved what it proved that, uh, it proved that, you know, like, I guess, you know, we ended up shutting them out. So we only needed one run, <laughs> but keeping them off the board right there at the beginning was big. Gabe Montenegro led the way with two hits, and, and like I said, the pitching was superb. Powell, Tweedy, Powers, Carroll, and Slater all comp- – um, did I say Slater? You can say Slater. We're cool. <laughs> it was Slater, yeah. All right. <laughs> they all contributed to the shutout, uh, giving up ten hits, but allowing none of them to cross the plate, which was excellent. Did you say Powers? Stanley? Stanley is what I meant to say, and I said Stanley. Slater. Gotcha. Stanley got the save. Stanley, I was like Slater. Wait a minute. What if I? What did I write down wrong here? Um, Hunter Slater had a heck of a tournament, anyways. But <laughs> Stanley gets the uh, the save. Stevie Powers gets the win to improve to five and four on the year. The attendance for this game three thousand four hundred and seventy six. Really, really solid. Really fun day down in Biloxi. Like you said before, so good to see so many people. I'm trying to think. Of, I don't want to miss anybody. But Clay Sweet, good to see him. Uh, I caught up with Jeremy McLean for a little bit, Rick Maddox, Connor Barron, Steve Farmer. I mean, I, I, there was just so many people that you run into. You're just walking down, and it's like every other person, you know them. Mm-hmm. And it was just so much fun to, to have experiences like that. It'll be very similar in Baton Rouge next week. You could be right. Just a different smell in the atmosphere. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. The honors, the t- tournament honors, the Conference USA all-tournament team, Golden Eagles, uh, they have the lion's share there. Danny Lynch, Fred Franklin, Bryant Bowen, Walker Powell, Gabe Shepard, and Matt Warner was the tournament MVP. Also, another honor, perfect game, named Gabe Shepard their pitcher of the week. So congratulations huh. to um, all the all the Golden Eagles. It was just you could tell the team was feeding off each other. They were having a blast. And um, they were making plays. And we did have a couple of errors. I think the first error in the game on – I don't even know if they counted it as an error, but it was just kind of a oddly hit ball. And I, I don't think that um, – Oh, it was a third base? Yeah, I don't think there was – I mean, I don't really know what he could have done differently than the way that – it was just kind of shanked and um, – but for the yeah, most well, part – Well, you know, the, the, runner, the runner's second took off. So he makes a quick step to third base uh, to go cover the bag. Then the ball is hit towards him right off the end of the bat, like a cue ball, spinning all weird. So yeah, it was it was just weird all the way around. I mean, I guess you you have to call it an error, but it, in no way was it a routine play. So the announcement was made today. Well, we knew since we won the conference tournament that we were going to the postseason. We were going to regionals. It was announced today that we are heading to the Baton Rouge Regional. Number one seed will be the LSU Tigers. The number two seed, the Arizona State Sun Devils. Number three seed, Southern Miss Golden Eagles. And the number four seed, Stony Brook Seawolves. Baseball America uh, listed this as one of the hardest regionals out there. So, you know, it's going to be a definitely a hard-fought victory for whoever comes out in the end. If you're interested in tickets, the Southern Miss Ticket Office will take ticket requests on Tuesday, May the 28th, beginning at 8 a.m. until 4 p.m. from Circle of Champion members, Eagle Club members, and season ticket holders. 
Each of these individuals will be eligible to request up to four tickets, and all ticket orders will be fulfilled based on Eagle Club priority and ticket availability. So give it a shot first going through the ticket office. That usually is going to be your best bet. You may be able to, to find some tickets through StubHub and the like if you're planning on heading that way, especially the games where the LSU Tigers are not involved. I'm sure they're going to just put those out there and try to get something for them. Um, but... This is a, this could be a tough regional, but I think this is a, a very winnable regional. And this region is going to be paired with the Athens regional, which includes Georgia. Number two seed is going to be FAU. Number three seed, Florida State. Number four seed, Mercer. So if all goes well, you could have a Conference USA Super Regional, which would be incredible. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but definitely something fun to think about. So, Jason, what are your first thoughts on this Baton Rouge regional? Uh, I didn't want to go to Starkville. I really didn't want to go to Oxford. Um, and everybody mentions 2009 when we started off in Atlanta, but I think Georgia Tech's awesome. So I think it's, I, I think it's where we maybe have, you know, I don't know, Oxford, maybe we had a better shot, but this is closer. And, and, you know, I, I like our matchup. And we we can't be hitting the ball any any better than we are right now. Um, what do you think about it? I think it's fair. I, I don't think this is. I think this is a solid LSU team. But when you think of LSU, you usually think of teams that are a little stronger. Um, not saying that they aren't going to come. You know, aren't going to win the whole thing. Who knows at this point? We got to play the games. But you know, this is not the LSU teams that play gorilla ball. There's another team that plays a little more gorilla ball. <laughs> in the mix so i think this is a wide open regional it wouldn't shock me if this went anyway and and let's just go through because there's little things about each team that that we can talk about that may give a hint as to why they could win so let's start off with the number one seed lsu tigers the tigers finished the season 37 and 24 on the year 17 and 13 in the southeastern conference with an rpi of 16 and a strength of schedule of two so they Played a very, very difficult schedule. In all of the rankings, they are a top 20 team. Their shortstop, Josh Smith, is a top 100 uh, Major League Baseball prospect. They've got a pitcher, Zach Hess. Their ace is also a top 100 Major League Baseball prospect. Wouldn't shock me if they held him for the second, you know, the, the, the second game. Team ERA of 4.79, so they're not invincible on the mound. Team batting average of .271. And they average 6.5 runs per game. So very solid team, obviously. Very dangerous team, but not as dangerous as some of the LSU teams in the past have been. Well, they're playing at home. Um, they're playing at the box. Just a storied program. It's one of those teams where you wouldn't think that anybody that that, that plays with Southern Miss would um, really look at the, you know, Letters on the front of the jersey, <laughs> but it's kind of hard not to, right? This is the team that we all—you you can't help it. I mean, they've been one of the best programs in baseball and college baseball. I mean, like forever, you know, as far as I can remember. So, um, but it's also a team that we're familiar with. And Southern Miss has played a lot through the years. I think everybody around the area probably knows some people that are fans. Um, so, I, I, I like I said, I, I prefer going over there than I do to the schools up north. But it's in no way is it going to be simple, and it shouldn't be. This time of the year is is there's high class baseball teams everywhere you look. So I think what we have to hope for 
as Golden Eagle fans, that that lull that we went through the last third, I don't know, two and a half, three weeks of the season, that we've, you know, gotten through that. We're hitting another one of those hot streaks like we did throughout the year, and hopefully we can keep it going, you know, for at least another week. The number two seed in the tournament. I'm excited about this one. As a former resident of Phoenix, I mean, I basically lived on the border of Tempe, uh, the Arizona State Sun Devils. 37 and 17 on the year, 16 and 13 in the Pac-12, RPI of 33, strength of schedule of 70. Now they started out on fire. I believe it was 21 straight wins to start the season, hmm. but as of late they've kind of fallen apart. They've lost their last five series. So um, this is a team that is dangerous. They are the clearly the best hitting team in the regional. Um, they lead the nation in home runs with 92. They've got two guys. They you know their own version of the Bash Brothers. Hunter Bishop with 22 home runs on the year. Spencer uh, Torkelson with 21. Uh, Hunter Bishop, who we just mentioned, he's the younger brother of Mariners outfielder Braden Bishop. He is projected to be a top 10 pick in this year's Major League Baseball draft. Um, he is, um, they are, um, excuse me, as a team, they are third in slugging percentage with .521. This is their first time back in the NCAA tournament since 2016. Now, I looked at who we may be matching up against on the mound, and their Friday night starter is Alec Marsh, a 6'2", 220-pound junior right-handed pitcher. Um, this has been his best year thus far for the Sun Devils. He started 15 games this year, going 9-3 and with a 3.17 ERA and 92 strikeouts. I looked up to try to find something on him, and I kind of found a scouting report. I mean, he's a four-pitch guy. Uh, as far as his weaknesses go, this is something that Southern Miss likes to attack, so I think this could be key. It says on the scouting report, it says as far as weaknesses go, Marsh needs to find more consistency around the strike zone to both keep his pitch count down and set up counts for the better use of his off-speed stuff. In 96.2 innings this se- this season, he walked over three batters per nine innings and averaged almost 16 pitches per inning pitched. So Southern Miss is a team that uh, you know. We like to stretch out those pitch counts. So this is something that we might be able to exploit. And plus he's a right-handed pitcher. So this, this, you don't really know how good, how it's going to go till he steps on the mound, but this, it could be, I, I like that. I like, I like what I'm reading here and I'm like what I'm seeing here. Yeah. And, and as far as facing guys like that, yeah, there's, there's, there's a balance, you know, between staying like staying super aggressive at the plate and, and also getting into hitters counts. Um, so you'd like to just stay ahead in the count as much as you can. And, the, and you mentioned it, but, yeah, a lefty-driven lineup like USM's um, facing a right-hander does – I mean, in this day and age, uh, it's it's kind of evened itself out either way. But uh, if you're a lefty, you still prefer to see a right-hander, and and that would be something in our favor. And even though they do destroy the baseball, uh, we have a very similar team, you know, Um a very similar team, and and it's just maybe we're a little bit more streaky. <laughs> but there's stretches where nobody can hit the ball like Southern Miss either. So, yeah, there might be a few runs scored in this one. They've got a team ERA of 4.59. They've got a team batting average of .307, which is the best in the regional, 12th nationally. And then uh, as far as scoring goes, they average 8.2 runs per game, best in the regional, and that's ranked 10th nationally. 
So then you move on to the three seeds, Southern Miss Golden Eagles, 38-19 on the year, 20-10 and 10 in Conference USA with an RPI of 45, strength of schedule of 91. The Conference USA Tournament Champions, one of two tournament champions in this particular region. We have a team ERA of 4.10, which is the best in the regional, a team batting average of .287, and we average 6.8 runs per game um, this particular season. Then you've got the Stony Brook Seawolves, the number four seed. They are 31 and 21 on the year, 15 and 9 in the America East Conference with an RPI of 138, strength of schedule of 249. They are the America East Tournament Champions. Um, a couple of tidbits on them. They defeated LSU in a super regional back in 2012. So there's a little bit of, uh, nervousness, I think, when this was <laughs> announced. Also, they had a, a series scheduled with USM back in February 2018. It was canceled due to New York Governor Andrew Cuomo banning all non-essential state travel to Mississippi due to the Religious Freedom Act. And we had to reschedule. I think we rescheduled with one team, and because of weather, that team canceled. So we rescheduled again with UT Martin. So hopefully, um, I can't say hopefully we don't play them. Hopefully we don't play them in the losers bracket. <laughs> right. But uh, you know, this could be a, a long-awaited uh, match that was supposed to happen. I guess year before last. Team ERA of 5.30, team batting average of 280, and they average 5.8 runs per game. So, so we kicked the tournament off, right? Playing Arizona State. That's correct. So the schedule, so we play Arizona State at noon, our time, on Friday, May the 31st. That game is going to be on ESPN3. Um, if you've got the ESPN app, you can find it on there. Um, and, you know, some of the cable and satellite providers will have those uh, ESPN apps included as well. And then LSU and Stony Brook play at 6 p.m. that night on ESPNU. Um, the next day, the losers, the losers of those two games will play at noon. The winners will play at 6 p.m. And then on the second, uh, play at 2 p.m. That's an elimination game for the. You, you can look the schedule up. We don't know who it's going to be, <laughs> but basically we're playing 12 p.m., 6 p.m., 12 p.m., 6 p.m., and then 2 p.m., 8 p.m. on Sunday. And if necessary, we'll play at 3 p.m. on June the 3rd. Hmm. That seems like it's possible to have a ton of games. It's possible to have a ton of games. I mean, there's there's only what seven games. So mm-hmm. if you if you win, you don't have to win as many of them. If you lose, you got to win an extra one. Um, also, I saw this on LSU's website, Thursday practice session, sessions. So if you're in town on Thursday, you want to check it out. Um, these sessions are open to the public. There's 75 minutes at Alex Box Stadium. LSU will be practicing from 10, a, 10 a.m. until 11.15 a.m. Arizona State from 11.30 a.m. to 12.45 p.m. Southern Miss from 1 o'clock to 2.15. And then Stony Brook from 2.30 to 3.45 and on Saturday, if you can't make the game, uh, but you're in Baton Rouge, you can go over and watch Kirk Over be in a uh, bodybuilding competition. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's Great. for real. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. This is the Golden Eagles' fourth appearance in the Baton Rouge Regional. Southern Miss is four and six all-time in the Baton Rouge Regional. We played there in 1990, 2004, and 2008. Have not won this particular regional so hopefully this is the year that we do that. But I'm excited. I mean, this is, you know, this time last week we're sitting here thinking, are we even going to get into the tournament? And I'm not saying that this is the 2009 year, but if you remember that year, we struggled down the stretch, 
finally came alive right there at the end, snuck in the tournament as a three seed, and went on to make it all the way to Omaha. You want to be playing your best your best ball at the at the end of the season, no matter what sport. But particularly in baseball, it's, it's streaky, and 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 then even you know more particular with with our team, um, just to be so streaky like we are. Uh, that you know we really couldn't ask for a whole lot more. Not having to travel across the country, right? I mean, we could end up like a regional out there in Stanford or something. Uh, so we don't have to go that far. We're hitting the ball. Um, we don't have to worry about the weather as far as like heat bothering us or anything like that. So there's a lot of things playing in our favor here. Just you still kind of wonder what Southern Miss team is going to show up. But if this past week was any indication, then we're on one of those those highs right now and just got to keep it going. Other baseball news. So the Major League Baseball draft is going to take place beginning June the 3rd and running through June the 5th. The start time is going to be uh, 6 p.m. our time on June 3rd. And, you know. Matt Walner definitely expected to go at some point. If you want to check out that first round, I believe the second round as well will be on the MLB Network. I don't know who, who all is has a shot to go. I know we had, you know, some of our incoming players could have a shot as well. So fingers crossed on that that uh, we get them to, to come in and be part of the team next year. But you know, Matt Walner was projected to be a first round pick at the start of the season. Had that injury at the start of the year, kind of struggled a little bit out the gate, but he seems to be lighting it up now. I'm curious to see what's going to happen with him. Yeah, for sure. Um, some other big news this week. I was excited about this one. This is a team that I've always wanted to play, and I'm, I'm probably going to have to figure a way to make the trip. But it was announced that Southern Miss is going to have um, signed football deals with my, both the Miami Hurricanes and the Troy Trojans. Southern Miss will face the Miami Hurricanes at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami on September the 10th, 2022. This is the first time these two teams have ever played. And then the Troy Trojans, we've got a home-and-home and home-and-home home, uh, beginning 2021 and ending on 2028. So some some exciting football scheduling news coming out of the athletic department this weekend. The Miami thing is cool because it's kind of like a bowl game, but it's one that we haven't got to decide whether we're going to in like three days. <laughs> right. right. So, so right now we can go ahead and start talking about it and go ahead and, and start making plans. And then the Troy thing, that's uh, everybody I know, we, we'd love to have Troy. You know, we, we love to have them on the schedule just a lot. One of the, and even as a conference mate. Um, so it's nice to see them get on the, on the schedule too. I've never been to a game at Troy, so I'm looking forward to it. They've built their program up. I mean, they, they, they beat us the last time we played. Uh, and, you know, they've, they've definitely shown out the past few years. So, you know, definitely have to respect the Troy Trojans. I've, uh, I've always, you know, I've always thought the Miami Hurricanes, I mean, when they're not on top of the college football, I mean, I've always thought that was a team that we might, you know, could have a shot at beating. That's one of those teams. Like, I think we could, you know, give them a run, especially as of late. So I'm kind of excited to see them on the schedule. Um, Another thing about it, this is something that applies every single year, but it's hurricane season. September 10th in Miami. Mm. You don't know how that's going to go. I mean, like it could be the week of, and then it could just, something could just pop up that particular week and ruin everything. So. Well, I mean, we're always going to have a couple of those tropical storms. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, it's always going to affect us here, but Miami is kind of like ground zero for that. Right, that's where they start, and then they 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 either go straight up Florida right there, or you know they get into the Gulf and just become a daddy of a storm and just annihilate Biloxi. But yeah, as far as playing Miami, man, that's one of those teams that we hadn't got to convince like people that aren't uh, super duper football 
fans or fans like us that just, you know, that we, we want to go watch every game that we play. That's a team that, that's identifiable to the point to where you don't have to explain, right? Like, say when we play like a Boise, uh, somebody that's not a football fan might say who, and you're like, well, they're awesome. <laughs> um, this is, this is Miami. Um, and, and it's, it's a team that, you know, like, like say if you're playing a, oh, I don't know, Penn State, people like that, that even if you're not a football fan, you know who Miami is. So that's cool too. It's, you know, one of the top college football programs of all time. You know, it's one of those that just the, the name resonates, regardless of how poor they're doing or how great they're doing. It's, it, you, they still have the name. You know, it's like Nebraska football, Penn State, like you said, Alabama in the 2000s before they got hard saving. <laughs> right. You know, well, it's, it's also a place that doesn't have a lot of fans to come out and support, so there's really not much of a home field advantage. I mean, outside of having to make the trip. Uh, there's no, not a lot not of people that, that, that go to the games. So even back in the day, um, there, there just weren't. So that's cool, and too. You, and, and since I said that, it'll be a sellout. But, you know. <laughs> and if you're hankering for a trip to Miami this year, I mean, we play at FAU the Saturday after Thanksgiving. So you can go down to Boca Raton and check that out. Cool. All right. Let's shut it down. You guys follow us on Twitter at to the top talk. You can follow me at Jamie underscore Arrington, Jason at bumper J Bailey on Facebook and Instagram as well. Got to give our shout outs, college sports, unfiltered.com. Go over there and jibber jabber about the games coming up this week. The men of Sigma Chi, the Theta Delta chapter and a shout out to Drew Wick for slinging the graphics for us. Drew, Drew had a, a, a his computer went down this week. So you could tell when I was slinging the graphics this week. <laughs> but, hey, you did a great job. But uh, shout out to Drew for all that, man. Um, great dude. He was down there showing out as well. You have any shout outs this week? Same people, man. Philip, Ryan, Emily, Cliff, Clay. Oh, hey, the talking ball, y'all guys, right? Clay. Uh, yeah. You mentioned him earlier, but it's the first time I met him in person, man. And he, he, he came up and spoke, shook my hand. So I thought that was cool. And they got a, they got a damn fine podcast. You guys go listen to it too. They got a. I haven't listened to it yet, but they've got a ridiculous guest this week on there. Cool. I hadn't hadn't heard it yet either. Brett freaking Favre. No way. Yeah. They pulled Favre. Pulled Favre. Wow. Go check it. We gotta step our. We gotta step our step our guest game up. I know, right? (laughs) Well, 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 who do you go to after that? We go. We gotta have like Ray Guy and Bauer on at the same time. (laughs) Yeah, John Madden. I I can get Caliendo to to probably. Ooh, do mad. I don't know. That's still that's still mm. kind of tough to top, man. Never mind. Don't go listen to their podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, congratulations, guys. Uh, they do a great job. Upcoming comedy shows. Um, Hub City Comedy's ninth anniversary show is going to be at Brewski's in Hattiesburg on Friday, June the seventh, eight p.m. Five dollars. Come check out fifteen of the best local comics in the Hub City. And the nominees for Hub City Comedy, uh, the nominees for Best Local Comic and the Best of the Pine Belt Awards, you'll be able to see who you like and vote for them as well. Then Last for Life 2019 with Frank Caliendo and special guest Keith Alberstadt on Friday, August the 2nd. Tickets are on sale now. Still got some left. Go get them, but we're, they're moving. They're moving. Be sure you vote for To the Top Talk for Best Local Podcast in this year's Best of the Pine Belt Awards. Voting going on right now at FestivalSouth.org. Do it for Bump. Go up, let him get some hardware. Let him go mm-hmm. up there and snag it for us and embarrass himself. Yeah, That's trip what over I'm the stairs. For. I'm looking for let him trip over the stairs. Uh, <laughs> get his pant him hung up on the, the nail sticking on the stage. It's definitely gonna like happen. Too. <laughs> it, there's some there's some tricky parts to that stage, dude. I'm Great. telling you. Just just you know fill me up with anxiety. Awesome. 
Go check out our site, patreon.com, if you want to support the show. Look for us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Hey, sh- uh, shout out to Steve Farmer for the review this week. Much appreciated. Um, it helps us out. So if you go on your preferred method of listening, iTunes, Google Play, uh, give us a rating and review. If you like the show, tell your friends. If you don't like the show, tell your friends. And as always, Southern Miss to the top. <laughs>